And the following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 29, a show about porpoising, flying into Canada, thoughts about open airplane, our picks of the week, and more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode number 29. I'm your host, Len Costa, and joining me today are my favorite group of aviation hooligans, starting out with a <laughs> Senor Carl Valeri. Mr. Valeri, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, why are we talking Italian? <laughs> well, because we are Italian. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Silly I'm doing boy. wonderful, actually. I'm, I'm, I had an incredible day. I got to see some historic uh, aviation artifacts today. I am in Hampton Roads, uh, Virginia, actually, Norfolk, Virginia, right down from the USS Wisconsin. I'm overlooking a bunch of battleships, and their guns are pointed this way. So That's what I heard. I heard there were missiles aimed in your window. Yes, yeah, so we better not say anything wrong here. No. No. <laughs> but I'm, familiar I'm watching with... planes. It's so awesome. I'm just watching what? train trainers go by and uh, F-18s and all sorts really? of stuff. Hopefully it won't get too no- Well, actually, wait, wait. Airplane noise. That would be cool, actually. So maybe I should open the window. You probably should. If I Maybe I was on the different side of the hotel because the only thing I ever remember seeing was the bay and the uh, battleships trying to shoot me down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they do some training over here, over the river. It's pretty cool, but... Uh, Hampton Roads, very historic, Hampton and there's Road, some historic yeah. uh, aviation happened here too. There's some Naval cool. Aviation. There's they got hovercrafts down there too. I think, hovercrafts, right yes, that's awesome. When you come in, cool. you see uh, like a dozen of these things getting ready to go out over the water. They're all parked there, mm-hmm. and it's real nice. neat to watch them go out. But very heavy uh, trafficked area. We're having. I mean, there's F-18s, there's trainers, there's Texan twos, there's mm. uh, all sorts of Hueys and. Uh, Oh, what's that other thing? The uh, Blackhawks. There's, yeah. I mean, just a, everything you can imagine just flying around. So well, there's I like three the airports there, though. You've got you've got Norfolk, Hampton Roads, uh, Newport News, and I. And isn't there still a there's a military base? There's like three or four airports right in the immediate vicinity. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. It's like a bee's nest here. You just got to keep your head on a swivel while you're flying in. Oh. I remember. Yeah. Good times. Oh yeah, I'm psyched. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Moving on to uh, Miss Victoria Newville, who is soon to not be Miss Victoria Newville anymore. How are you? Yay. I am excellent. How are you guys? Good. So the question is, are you keeping your last name? Um, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, I've been on the fence for the longest time, and I don't have much more time to decide. But for aviation purposes, you can you'll still find me. Um, around as newville so yeah just kind of how i got to know everyone i'm gonna keep it that way but i am taking his last name cool cool well he won that thumb war then because i thought at one point you were trying to make him take your last name (laughs) 
I was. I was. <laughs> he was willing, but, you know, I said, well, let's go with tradition. You know, we can't always make a ruckus. So this is true. <laughs> you do cause enough. So that's that's a good it's a good work. All right. Um, where are we next? Oh, Rick, yes. welcome back. We missed you last episode. Yes. It's nice to have you back. How Glad you? to be back. I, I've, I'm getting I'm off the fence now and I am keeping my name as well. <laughs> oh, good job. Yeah, that's good. I, I just, didn't. I wasn't excited. Wasn't. Yeah, there was a possibility you'd lose it. I took congrats. the whole. I I missed the last episode, contemplating it, and <laughs> and thinking it's just no. I'm just. Uh, everything's good. So I'm glad to be back and uh, gonna planning uh, planning a flight this weekend. I haven't fl- flown in a while, and I'm looking forward to it. Very excited. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a couple of months or so now. Yeah, exactly. Two. Which is which will be an interesting topic, you know, to talk about. I mean, I can, my, my current strategy, cause I do have a destination is to, uh, is to hang in the pattern a little bit and see how I feel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't have to go somewhere and I'll just go from there, but I, I think it'll be cool. I think it'll all be fine. And where are we at on which aircraft you're flying? I know there's <laughs> the, been some transition with the Cirrus. Yeah, the Cir- yeah, it's the, it's the, um, I was going to say the 151, but that's the call sign. The, uh, one, the <laughs> one, the uh, Cessna and, um, it's not 151. It's, uh. Another one that they've swapped out, um, but equally configured with Garmin and stuff. And yeah, the um, Cirrus is, uh, you know, went private. And I haven't really heard much about whether they've gotten into a sharing situation with anybody or not. So, but that's cool. You know, it's just fun to fun to go do it. And I, I like the Cessna a lot. It's a great plane. So Excellent. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm uh, Len Costa joining you still yet again from the dirty south here in Houston, Texas. And uh, finally, the sun has come out today. We had a nasty storm this morning. We were without power in the hotel for about an mm. hour or two. And uh, was I didn't really care, actually. It didn't make a difference to me. But <laughs> it was kind of funny anyway to be here with uh, in the dark for a couple hours. But we're back yeah. on to normal uh, circumstances, thankfully. Otherwise, we wouldn't probably wouldn't be recording this show because I sure as heck can't do it without electricity. Let's do the pre-flight. Well, uh, we have a couple of announcements, as we like to do before the show. Mr. Carl would like to share. He is so up and up on the current events and air shows. So I'm just going to hand it over to Carl. Let us know uh, what did you have in store for us today? Well, then, after extensive research by typing in air shows this month in Google, <laughs> I found a few things that were going on. He's we have... so handy. <laughs> uh, the How go- does he do it? He uses the Google. <laughs> I'm a technological genius. The, <laughs> there's uh, there was actually there's an event that's right near where I live at Albert Witted Airport and uh, the uh, AWAPS Albert Witted Airport Preservation Society is having their little cookout and that's to raise money to keep the airport an airport and uh, to continue having uh, airplanes fly in there not just uh, be an airport but also keep airplanes uh, going in and out of there as uh, people still try to push them away. But it's a great little event, and it's right there on the water. It's beautiful there. Um, actually, I had a Facebook uh, picture I put out overlooking the airport, the little restaurant that overlooks it. It's really nice. So it's right near the pier downtown uh, and right around the corner. A lot of people don't realize this. Within, uh, for me, walking distance, about, about a mile, is a history museum that includes a, a history of all the airlines because right near there was of course the first airline flight ever was from St. Pete to Tampa. So go check it out. It's uh, awaps.org, a w a p s.org. Uh they have a lot of events, so if you can't make this one there is of course another one out there. 
uh, that you can go do. But uh, it's fun to hang out, talk airplanes, watch planes, and eat some food. Cool. Now entering cruise flight. Well, why don't uh, we... I'm going to actually, since we were missing Mr. Rick on the last episode, uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's been a while. So why don't you uh, share with us an interesting story Mm -hmm. that leads into a discussion. uh, I think it was about porpoises Dol- I mean, no por- i was gonna say por- dolphins no. dolphins yeah the, the other right. kind of porpoising <laughs> yeah the football team no uh no um yeah the other kind of porpoising yeah this um i'll just tell the story uh, because i had this was a training thing and i just remembered it and remembered it being a huge learning and confidence builder in a way um <clears throat> for me and so i thought well I'll talk about this and we hadn't really talked about this um issue before and i've actually since and right around the time talked to a couple of cfis my own and, and others just discussing this phenomenon and and it's a it's an interesting challenging one and you know i i, I can tell you the story and then we'll go from there so this was um a training one of my uh, uh, so, uh solo cross countries it was my second one and um i wasn't i, I know a lot of my flights are are videoed and are out there you know because i don't fly as often as you guys do so when i do i kind of document them and then produce something. But I wasn't recording video of my early training because I was really trying to not distract myself because I, you know, I'm, I love video stuff and I was wait, I was waiting to get, you know, a little more confident, a little, a little further down the line. So none of this was recorded in any way. Um, but I did make some, some nice notes. So it was cool. It was the Cirrus, um, SR20. And I had been flying that pretty much exclusively at, uh, at this point. And, um, I uh, was doing a, my first, uh, second solo cross country up to Keene, New Hampshire. It's about um, from Norwood. I'm looking down on my chart here. It's about 64 nautical miles. Um, and uh, I had done a test run on it um, with, you know, the way my, the way I learned the way we did it is, I, you know, you do a test flight, have, have your CFI with you, make sure it's all cool. And then, then, you know, the next flight out, they send you on your way to do it, to do it again alone. And that, that was very, that was cool. Um, and uh, everything, everything was, you know, great navigating there and, and the landing uh, at Keene was fine. I hung out in Keene for a while and, um, you know, and then I headed back. And what I, what I recall about my early, um, I, I mean, I can't actually believe this is sort of true, but my early days in training, and I don't know if you guys, um, it's just a funny thing, but I don't really think I drilled myself or they drilled me enough on um, airspeed and airspeed control. I don't know if you guys find that as CFIs because you're the one doing it, but it, it's really, it's really important. Not just the basic numbers, but does that, does that ring a bell at all? The idea that, you know, there's a lot of that paying attention when you're drinking the fire hose where where you're not really able to track, I mean, where you got to keep doing it enough till you get it in your head. Oh, that's where I've got to be. I've got to hit this number at this point or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that rings a bell, but I, you know, I was still, I've been I've been getting by probably without really thinking about some of the stuff I was doing, and I also the other thing that happened was um, because of the way the winds were, the return to Norwood that day was a was a straight in approach. And for me, and I don't know if this is true for your students or or you guys um, early on, but you practice the pattern a lot, and it's around and around and around. And there's a lot about the pattern that really helps you get timing down. But the first couple straight in approaches are just sort of odd because none of those cues are there. There isn't, there isn't the turning, there isn't a beam, the numbers, there's this different thing. Does that, does that ring a bell? You know, that Rick, that's great that you brought that up because that's something I see so many people have problems with, especially at work when they come from 
flying other airplanes around the pattern, and now they have to do a 25-mile final. Right. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, now how do we do this? And we are constantly doing 25 to 50-mile finals. Yeah. Like you're raising your hand and go, I was told there would be no math. Because, <laughs> frankly, that, I mean, that's, that's the answer, right? I mean, there's, there's this, it's a mathematical. You can, you can work it out. But. You can, but the, but the other thing is you look outside the window. And well, there's two things. Number one, yeah. you can do the eyeless. Obviously, yeah. that makes it easy for you. you. Just follow the glide slope down. But you look out the window, and you put that point on the window in a certain spot. And if it changes direction, if it's going high on the window, you're getting right. too low. And the other way around, it's actually uh, that. Yeah. It's, that's simple. that's the that's the simple way to do it, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And then when you said airspeed, just to comment on that, along with this, yes. is that you're always scanning your airspeed. So you're looking out the window. Right. The next thing you do is always scan your airspeed. That's one thing I used to always drill in my my students head is always, always, always look at your airspeed. Right. And uh, you will find out pretty quickly, first of all, if your airspeed is not working. And then, <laughs> right. second of all, I mean, I, I had a student take off with airspeed and it not working. And I was like, well, how did you do that? You didn't look at your airspeed. So first thing is airspeed alive right. and then you start looking at your engine instruments. But right. on landing and in flight, yeah, you, you always are looking there. So your pitch and power equals performance. If you notice you're too fast, right. pull a little bit of power back or pull back on the yoke, right. depending on what you're doing. But if you're following a specific glide path, which makes it easier for you when you're flying a very, very long approach, then yeah. you will adjust that airspeed usually with the power. You just keep that same attitude going right. into that airport. Right. So, I mean, that's the, I don't know, Len, if you have something to add to that, but that's the sort of setup on what's going to happen here. Well, actually, it just, rem I don't want to tell a story because okay. it may be a 10 or 15 minute story, but it reminded me when Carl just mentioned flying without an airspeed indicator, I actually ferried a 172 from point A to point B uh, with a ferry permit with a in-op airspeed indicator. Wow. And it was it was something that I felt comfortable doing at the time because of mm -hmm. experience in flight instructing in a 172. Right. But I think uh, now in the next episode, I should probably share that story about yeah. how I was able to, you know, fly the airplane from experience just by engine noise and RPMs. That's I, I was going to, that's exactly, I mean, I, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back because that's what I was thinking. Well, if you got RPMs, you have some experience in the plane and you can and you can hear it. And you, as a CFI, would be able to hear it, uh, hear the engine. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah, and you probably still have even even a whatever limited experience, uh, yeah. uh, um, a certain understanding of what the airplane looks like visually as far as speed right. over the ground and what it feels like. I mean, it's not maybe not as much as somebody who had you know the instructor yeah. who might have a couple hundred hours in the airplane, but y you have you have some basis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, if it's getting too slow, you can feel that all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, so yeah, so the setup is, you know, it's a beautiful day and I was doing well and I was, but I'm, you know, I'm really new and, and I wasn't focused enough on airspeeds really in term, well, and I'll explain within what range, but, and then I get a straight in approach and the straight in approach at Norwood that I got was, um, runway one zero, which is, um, it's a displaced threshold quite a lot. It's beyond the crossing runway. So it, I don't know what the distance is now. I should have looked that up, but it, it's the shortest you know, runway they have there in that, you know, coming in in that direction. And, um, and, and then the other thing I hadn't quite gotten familiar and I really, I think I got, um, much better the next time around, I was better at, at doing this. Cause after talking about it with my CFI, you know, we're talking about this, the Cirrus and, you know, he said, it's hard to get, you know, low and slow quickly in that plane, in any plane, but, you know, trying to, trying to come down and, you know, just it, very easy in that plane to slip too close to the airport, still going way too fast. So, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't crazy fast. I got the, the you know, everything was, the numbers were fine for, for flaps. Um, uh, there's two 
those two notches of flaps and the, you know, those, those were fine. And, um, but then the margin below that last flap level and, you know, and where you should be to land or even the stall speed, it's a pretty wide gap. And, um, and I don't know what I was, you know, I don't know the number. I don't remember what it was, but, um, so I came straight in and it was, and, you know, just, I was moving pretty fast and I settled and, you know, and I bounced. And so since, you know, we're obviously talking about porpoising. So I, and I, I had done, um, I may have done one or done a bounce. And in most cases with my CFI, especially early on, you know, he would take control, you know, my plane, he would settle it and, and knew what to do and, and knew how to add power. And we, and we can discuss what you guys would recommend on, on those things to try, if it's recoverable, if you want to try to continue to land, you've got enough runway and all that. But, um, you know, we bounced. I've also bounced, you, you know, there's times when you do a little hop and you, and you stick, you know, it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking on the first hop, Oh, okay. Well, we'll we'll just uh, settle down here. And then then there was another hop, and it was more severe. You know, it was it there, and I and I think I only did two before I, you know, far firewalled the throttle and got you know got a positive rate of climb and you know lost you know you know reduced the flaps and got them back out and and went around. So I really I really would credit the guys who trained me um, uh, for giving me the you know I knew what to do. That you know we're going around because I'm uh, this is not going to get better. <laughs> the runway's short. I'm running out of runway, and I've bounced, and it's oscillating. You could feel that it wasn't going to settle, and mm-hmm. and uh, so I'll finish this story, and then we can talk about you know porpoising in general. But um, so I you know I was I was way thrown because I though I'd practiced go arounds, they were never they were rarely in situations where I had to go around. If you know what I mean by that, so I know to go around, but I also um, wasn't. You know, I wasn't in a position where I was slightly freaked out. And so here I'm going around like, okay, what just happened? So so I go back around without really focusing on it, going, okay, cool. Well, you, the, 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 that was just a thing. You'll be fine. And I'm pretty sure I carried the same or, you know, too much speed the next time around. And I, you know, and I bounced it again. Um, let it go twice and then <laughs> fired it up again. And, and that, that's when I sort of went, okay. You know, you get that moment where you go, okay, you have to do this. <laughs> you know, there's no one else here. This this has to be landed, and you've got to do it. And so I I got everything. The, I the everything the last time was actually great, and I was, the speeds were right, as I noted in my my log my electronic logbook. I could have gotten off the first taxiway. You know, it was all that good stuff where you've really got it right where it needs to be. But you know, it was quite a it was it was intense, and and um, it was a good it was a good learning experience, and my reactions were correct, but. But, um, but, but, you know, still it was intense. And so I talked to some people later about it and, you know, it was clear what had happened. And for me, it was just all about airspeed really. Cause I didn't, sometimes I think you bounce, um, yeah, you might, you might get too low to the ground or you might nose wheel at first cause you round out too low or whatever. Um, but I was flaring and it was all fine. I was just too fast. And, um, and you guys can jump in and comment on that if you want, but that's what it felt like it happened to me. Talking sure. to people later, they tried to explain to me the oscillation and what happens with the pilot and I'm going to let you guys do that because you'll be able to explain it better. But generally when you're less experienced, it, wouldn't you say it's really hard to override your tendencies to figure out how to get back into a normal landing profile. And, and especially if, if you've got some oscillation going, go around, but that, that's be, that would be my recommendation to, to novice pilots. But I know there's a way to think through how to, you know, go get basically get yourself back flying level above the runway and then settle again. I don't know if you guys want to comment on that. I don't think it's necessarily true that it's just people that are less experienced uh-huh. because right. if you get a person that hasn't porpoised in a long time, they really don't know 
how to get out of it. The best thing to do is just to go around. Right. A is. lot of it, too, has to be, you know, determined by your airspeed, too. I mean, just think about if, you know, a lot of folks, they'll put a little bit of power in and start settling back in. But if you have, say you land and your airplane lands at like 45 knots or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're doing 90 knots, that's <laughs> quite a bit of airspeed. You're, it's pretty easy to porpoise because you have so much speed going on. You're going to hit, you're going to bounce back up, you're going to have a lot of flying speed. You may not put much power in it. it again, it goes back to it all depends. Right. But most of the time when you do bounce like that, usually you add a little bit of power unless you're going super duper fast. But if you're adding a little bit of power, you're going too fast, you're going off the end of the runway, then you're going right. to go around anyway. <laughs> you know? yeah. But but you can you can stop it. Well, you know, an interesting thing, though, is uh, how a lot of folks that go from, like, uh, Len can comment on this, go from a bigger plane to a smaller plane. They're used to, they're used to pushing the nose down on a bigger plane where you don't really do that on a small plane. So when you get right. in the plane with, like, a 757 driver then in a little 172 he's like no 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 don't push the nose down because now you're going to crush the landing gear right and uh, you could actually and it's not look at those people that in what was that that 757 where they kept porpoising and they broke uh, they actually bent part of the fuselage and that that's so it's not just people that are new to this and Right. And, and the other thing that for me, just the thing that happened too is besides not just focusing on the numbers, I know that early on and, and, you know, I don't think it's the same now, but it, but it's probably true. It was true for me that I tended to be high and fast because it felt safer. Probably, you know, you don't want to get to, you don't want to contact the ground when you don't want to, and you don't, and it feels like you want to keep flying. So, and, and then, and so it finally took me, like, I kept going back to the books going, look at the margin between, um, you know what you should be on final and and stall speed, you know with uh, with flaps. It's it's a it's generally a pretty big margin. You know what I mean? And sure. you don't need you're not going to really create if you're if you're flying carefully and you're looking at the numbers, you still got a bunch of room before before you know something that shouldn't happen would happen. So, but mm-hmm. I think that's what was happening to me too back then psychologically. It was I was um, too high and too fast. So I was it was. Anyway, it was a good, good learning experience. But I don't, Len, I don't know if you have any thoughts about helping people through that or well, I think you the, said go around. It, well, Carl said go around, and I agree <laughs> with the go around. I mean, there's sometimes that we have the tendency to want to try and fix the porpoising. Right. The biggest thing that I used to experience with my students is the tendency for them to want to wheelbarrow the airplane and shove that nose down. <laughs> once, you know, once you hit the ground and you start that bounce, um, I had one particular gentleman who always 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 and it scared the living daylights out of me wanted to shove that nose down to get you back down the best thing that i could always teach him was okay you've hit the ground you've bounced you're in a nose high attitude basically just think of it like this you're already in the flare you've hit the ground you're bounced up you're in the flare attitude add some of that power to arrest that rate of descent don't force that nose over because i don't i don't like that you know, that nose forward moment, you touch down on the nose, yeah. or if you push too forward, you could hit the nose and flip over on your backside. Um, I mean, I think in right. all essence, what Carl said, a go around is probably the safest course of action. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, from from my experience, it was just don't shove the nose forward. Right. I mean, well, you, know, you don't want to stall, but also you don't want to be just jamming the airplane back on the ground. Victoria, I think there's a yeah, reason go ahead. for that. I think people... Um, Especially in the early stages, at least for me, it was like, I don't care. I want to get on the ground. This mm-hmm. is sure. scary. Get me back on the ground. I just want to land. Mm-hmm. Like going around and recovering from all that again, you're going to be shakier. Your, your right. um, enthusiasm and your um, confidence is kind of ruined because 
what you just went through. Am I going to do this again? That was embarrassing. So I think sometimes people tend to push down again just because they want it over yeah. with. And they got to get that out of their mind that, you know, people are watching and people care that you right. have perfect landings every time. Right. Well, and I, 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 th I don't know if this is true, but my sense of reading about this um, is the other thing that kind of happens is the rhythm, the, the, the plane, the pilot inadvertently, even if you aren't intentionally pushing forward, can begins to contribute off, off balance. I mean, uh, off sequence with the oscillation right. that you do the wrong thing at the wrong time because it's what feels right. And you don't may not even notice what you're doing, but you have to really work hard to do the right thing if you're going to settle it, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's easier to fire it up and, you know, keep fly hard, mm -hmm. <laughs> fly hard and high and get out of there. Sure. But um, yeah, it was, um, it was fascinating. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, and it was, you know, I know, I know what to do and I, you know, I, I had known what to do, but then I really got to practice it that day. So uh, Carl had mentioned, you know, sometimes guys like in our industry as a professional pilot have a tendency to roll the nose forward on landing. And mm -hmm. I know he didn't really quite cover that in depth on what, what that's all about. But for instance, in the jet that Carl and I fly, it's, um, it's a super critical wing. The wing is aft mounted on the fuselage. And you can actually flare our aircraft too much by way of pitching, you know, in the flare, pitching the nose up so high that um, you're actually now losing lift and you're going to smack the ground. Uh, mm. You know, you're increasing your rate of descent. So in this particular airplane, the Embraer 145, if you've pitched up too much, there's times in the flare when you're actually going to roll the nose forward due to the position of the wing and this and the, mm. um, you know, the center of lift. So, you know, like he said, Guys in, in commercial operations or jets who are in GA aircraft want to roll that nose forward, but you got to, you just kind of have to remember what airplane am I in and, and, and what are the flight characteristics? Right. Right. Cool. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's one, it's just, um, you know, it's one of those things that, that just is interesting about flying and, and it's why the numbers matter. You know, there's days where you just, where the, where you're right on with the speeds and it's, and it's just, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. This plane is, is very docile and it's all sweet, you know, and, uh, speed, speed is a, you know, I mean, I re finally realized, took a lot of training to go, ah, the speed stuff matters. It can make my life a lot easier if I do it right. It's pretty much all that counts is speed. <laughs> it's true. Speed will save you. Speed will kill you. Exactly. <laughs> so that was my, that's what I wanted. I just, I thought it was interesting and, and, and people have probably had that happen or if they haven't, maybe that'll help them be ready for it when it comes around. If it does. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah, hopefully so. Cool. Uh, Rick, I like that you mentioned it about speed, though. I think that's really important. So many people forget to do that. They forget to use the proper speeds for landing. Right. And we go too fast. And right. Really go well, it's interesting. I, I mean, I go back and look at it. I was alternating between planes. And if I was away from one plane for the other, I would I would get the book out. And, you know, there's a couple – there's 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 V speeds that are listed that you can look up for, for these planes. And – but there really isn't a speed that is, a, you know, there isn't a written down speed recommended for, you know, to be at it, you know, over the fence. At least not, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's how it always seems that you've got in a beam, the number, you know, you've got, you got it, you know what you got to hit to get the, the mm -hmm. various notches of flaps in and you know what your stall speed is at the bottom end. But there's a, there, there's that middle, you know, and there are people who will recommend different things. So I went on you know, different forums and serious forums and guys who fly those and, um, People will swear by different numbers, you know, and it's not it's not much different. It's five five, or you know, or ten, but whatever off. But it, but it it, it isn't written down. Hit that now, you know. So for me, but I want it to be in my head. At least I want a number that I'm pitching for. 
and and then make an adjustment based on the conditions and all that. So anyway, just a little aside. You know, there. Rick, another cool aside about that whole thing yeah. about pitching down, yeah. and you see like these guys in the big airplanes. Some airplanes, their center of gravity is so far forward of the actual uh, gear mm-hmm. that when you push the nose down, the gear comes up. It actually lifts off the ground because you're rotating around that right. center. Oh, right. And then actually, you know, especially you look, you see it when you see a long 757. Huh. And uh, I was in the jump seat on 757. The guy's like, here, watch this. And I was like, oh, and uh, he pushes the nose Never down. I was like, oh, here we no. go. No. <laughs> <laughs> His yeah. last words. And he just rolled the thing on. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just like, a crash landing when you said, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. And it, almost, like, it like arrests the rate of descent. Unlike what you're probably used to in a GA aircraft. If you mm. push the nose forward, you think you're going to hit the ground faster. In our aircraft, you roll, you know, you roll that nose forward, and you're slowing your rate of descent, and it's all got to do with the aerodynamics of the aircraft itself. Wow, cool, good, good, uh, good conversation. Yeah, thanks for bringing so, that up. Sure. Um, cool. Next. All right. Well, yeah, next, you know, because we teased it in episode uh, 28, uh, Carl wanted to. Oh. Carl has a. A story. Well, he wants to talk about actually flying to Canada. It sort of stemmed from an experience that he had, and wanted to. He did some research into what it takes to fly to Canada. The thing, you know, the, how to make it easier on yourself. It's not just simply gr- jump in the airplane, fly across the border, and go on and you know do what you normally do here in the U.S. But uh, Carl, tell us, uh, tell us what if, what did you find? Well, actually, uh, just to. Uh preface this i go to canada quite a bit actually probably about every week i'm up in canada and i mean it's a beautiful country and there's so many things to see and there's incredible flying there uh, a lot like alaska you know there's there's uh big metropolitan areas and all of a sudden there's nothing and when you go up to canada whether no matter if you're as a passenger say or if you're actually flying as the pilot you have to be aware of a few things and uh one of the things that that really got me thinking is I was sitting online and I heard some lady, this is at the security line at the airport, uh, just complaining and the and the security guard said, Hey, listen, you know, uh, you're not in America anymore. This is this is Canada and this is our rules. And I and that it dawned on me. I said, you know, there's a lot of times we don't realize what the rules are when we do go up to Canada. And I've been with other people and I've flown into Canada where I've had some issues uh, with security and with immigrating into the country. A lot of folks don't realize this, but it, and this is just Canada we're talking about now, but it's true with a lot of other countries that certain things that are considered, say, a misdemeanor, say, or nothing that's that really that big of a deal in the United States actually can be very serious, especially in Canada. And you cannot get into Canada on that. You'll have to actually maybe go back to the U.S. And, and what happens is, and I've seen this happen, you get into Canada and they find something in your background and, and the U.S. is fine with it, but Canada is not. And all of a sudden you're being detained. And what they'll do is they'll, they keep you on a cell basically until there's the next uh, flight or you can fly the plane back if you're in your own private aircraft. They'll ask you to head back to the United States at your own expense. So it's, uh, Carl, it's, might I, can I interject for a sec? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that he's actually talking about and is, uh, for instance that I'm aware of is if you've had, I'm not saying that a DUI or a DUI is, uh, is an okay thing in general, but in the United States, it's not looked upon the same way as it is in Canada. If you have one of these, uh, um, alcohol related, uh, infractions on your driving record and you go to Canada, 
they will not let you in the country. Like Carl said, they send you home. You know, that's so that's an example point. of the that's that's the primary example that I know of. Please, not from experience. Anyway, <laughs> but that's the primary example I know of that, you know, like Carl's talking about. If you have something like that, they send you bot home. They will not let yeah. you in the country. And, and and that's you know, we're talking the airplanes here, but remember you're part of that airplane. You're the person coming into the country. So you may need to know what your what's in your background that may prevent you. I'll I'll give you another good example. Uh Another friend of mine I fly to Canada with, he has the same name and same birthday as a child molester in the United States. Luckily, his, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's Not such good. a pain. Wow. Really, and the same, but both same things. name except his middle name is different. Right, but they don't have that on there. So he has finally he got a letter and was able to pass back and forth through the country. And we we've gone to Canada at least a dozen times together. And he will get detained for a little while, and you know they all. He always knows what it is, and they'll pull out a piece of paper and they'll show him that, hey, listen, this is my middle name. Look at the middle of the name of the person. Imagine if the middle name was the same. Oh, that would that would be a real pain. Uh, but he actually got that straightened out, and uh, that's again, you are looking at pre-flighting not just your plane but yourself. Here's another interesting one. You know, we're talking about big deals here. You know, uh, drunk driving and child molestation, that type of thing, but. What if you are a commercial driver in the United States and you get a ticket? You can actually be stopped from going into Canada. So that's what you need to do is you need to look at that and say, hey, am I going to have a problem going there? There's a way around this. You can get your temporary you know, uh, residency in Canada, and that'll, that'll actually you know, prevent you from actually getting stopped or, or detained, I should say. And to do that, there's a whole process. But... That's number one, is pre-flighting yourself before you leave the country. Make sure, the moral story is make sure you don't have anything in your background that's going to prevent you from going there. And, you know, the easiest way to do that, just like when you do your pre-flight in your airplane, is to look at some of these great websites like, you know, going to Canada and uh, um, there's website, you know, AOPA will help you out tremendously. And there's many different ways to actually uh, find out what paperwork you need and for your airplane. so And I actually did a little article on my website, expertaviator.com, flying to Canada, what you should know, and that uh, touches on all these things. But I don't want to go into all the details about it, but there's a couple things I do want to go over as far as flying to Canada. And I, I'm sure that Lynn and, and Rick and you guys probably have heard this, but there's times where you know you, you, the rules are different, like flying in their airspace. You know, within... 10 miles of the airport, you have to go, uh, and below 3,000 feet AGL, you have to slow to 200 knots. If you're in a bigger plane, that's, that's going to be a problem right there. But, uh, yeah, it's, that uh, ties guys up a lot when I, in the jet, actually, when I, when I've flown with folks to go into dip, cause their airspace is different. And I'm like, listen, man, this is not class Delta in the United States, man. You got to slow down. And like, no, oh, no, no, no. We're, we're, we're still blah, blah, blah miles. Out. I'm like, uh, 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 we are in a different country, man. You got to slow down now. Yeah. And wow. oh wow, it's true. And th look at the the descend vias. You know, it's like when they say, "Hey, descend when you're ready." That's like descend pilot's discretion in the U.S. There's another good example. Hmm. And uh, the other biggie that you get caught with, and 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 GA pilots really have to know this one because we're going to start getting issued more uh, arrivals and stars and things like that. Um, is the fact that when they tell you to descend on an arrival you actually have to meet those altitude restrictions along the arrival, whereas in the Absolutely. United States, it's not until they tell you to descend via. I'm Correct. just talking altitudes here. So 
huge difference. Huge, huge difference, and it catches a lot of people. Wow. Yeah, it's just a different phraseology, but it's you know what what they mean here versus there, and we get that a lot. We get I've seen plenty of letters come through at work regarding that. Listen, remember that when they say this in Canada, it doesn't mean what you're used to in the U.S. We get that. I think is Toronto is one of our our biggest uh, offending airports for stuff like that. Sure, sure, and uh, but. You know, just going going beyond that, just knowing the rules. There's lots of stuff out there as far as the Canada aviation regulations. You can actually look it up, review it, and there's many different websites where they have a review, like I have done in my article. But there's, um, and oh, oh, by the way, when you're trying to get across the border, as far as your own personal uh, pre-flight, just to back up just a second, the Canadian Border Service Agency is the best website to go to, and they'll they'll explain a lot of different things there. Um, but uh, Nav Canada actually is the organization in Canada for airplanes and air traffic control, and those are the people you have to talk to as far as getting numbers and as far as getting uh, for for weather and also for getting the rules and also for uh, just your aim, your FARs. It's all and it's all ha- you have to purchase it. It's not like in the United States. It's not you know a lot of this isn't free, so you have to go up there and. And uh, and actually purchase your charts. I know that you know, like my four flight, I actually have to purchase a separate uh, subscription to get that. Uh, but you can always get that stuff like on Sporties and and Aircraft Spruce and those kind of places. So they're really you know easily available. But the the biggest thing though is to look up things like CanPass. If you're going to go back and forth, I know a lot of folks in the Flying Club, they'll do that. They'll go back and forth to Canada quite a bit. The Flying Club in New Jersey, and it's uh, it's great. I mean, you can just move through CanPass allows you this is a thing called that allow you to get through security a lot quicker and go through uh, customs and immigration a lot quicker and, uh, and of course you have to know the regulations in in the United States too so that's that's the other thing that you have to really uh, think about is your flight planning and uh, and EAPIS EAPIS is the electronic advanced passenger information system you have to use it now and uh, honestly mm-hmm. I don't really I mean Len I don't really use it that much I let other people do it for me uh, especially at work, or even uh, you know, gosh, I I let the uh, flightplan.com. I go there and I let them file everything if I'm doing it personally. And uh, as a matter of fact, John and Martha King have this really cool video on YouTube that talks a little bit about it. It's like an advertisement, but uh, but yeah, just as and, and I don't want to. You know, I know this is just an overview. There's a couple things I do want to point out as far as getting all this information. We've really you know gone a, an overview of what to do, but uh, there's a great website you can go to. It's uh, it's you know flying to Canada, and it's it talks about actually, it's from Transport Canada. It gives you all these publications, and I will have a link to that. And there's another one that's um, uh, AOPA is another one that you can go to. There's Canadian Air Transport Security Authority, Nav Canada. There's you can look up the Canadian regulations on their website, and then there's actually you know we have an aeronautical information manual. Well, Transport Canada has one too, so you can look mm-hmm. up that stuff there. But I don't know if anybody's really interested in going. Usually people talk about the Bahamas. Oh, we're going to fly to the Bahamas. You know, especially since they're, they're really trying to advertise and get more people to go to the Bahamas. But there's so much to see in Canada. And there's so many cool things to, to look at, so many cool airports to fly into. They really use general aviation um, more than most other countries to get around. So you really try to you know get up there and, and make it make a trip. Go up there, fly up there in your airplane. Just make sure you have things like your custom stickers on the side of the airplane and all that. You really need to you know do your research before you do that. And the best thing to do, and this is my opinion, 
is when you do something the first time, bring somebody with you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an instructor. It could be somebody who flies to that country all the time. So get this information first. Get somebody who knows what they're doing and do it. Go with them. Say, hey, listen, let's go for lunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know Rick. Rick's in a great spot. He can just scoot up there anytime he wants. And they yeah, I should, I should make that a goal. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, we, yeah. You know, obviously from here, we flew, one of the things, you know, just to say is we flew over Canada to get to Oshkosh. Um, and if you're not planning to land, that's doable, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Do it all the time. Yep. I mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. The UP. Yeah, no, 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 just, you, uh, just heading up to Michigan from Maryland. Right. You've you got to cross over. over a little bit right. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's what we're talking about is, you know, if you're going to land. <laughs> yeah. But and actually, for those just flying over, you do need to be on a squat code and talking to ATC. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's a good that's point. Simple. That's a good point. And uh, those on the border states, you know, you really have to be careful about bumping into their airspace. And, uh, you know, realize that, you know, I fly a lot in South Texas and, and every so often some of those airports are really close. You could easily bump into the Mexican airspace and you really have to have permission. Same thing with, like you said, with Canada, with going to Michigan. There's so many times you can go in there and you really need to, to have clearance to get into that airspace. They have, you know, some control letters of agreement with the FAA, but you need to actually have a, a, a specific squawk when you're going past the border. And, and across. Good point, Victoria. Especially when your traffic pattern is in the other country. Right. right. <laughs> and Victoria, have you, you actually landed over in Canada yet or no? No, I haven't landed yet. I've been dying to go to British Columbia, though, so it's on the list, but cool. flown over it quite a bit. Yeah. That's what we should do. We should actually have a, we should videotape a, a, a trip up to, up to Canada. Oh, I should, I should do that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Actually, you know, Rick, it'd be easy. I, I should scoot up there, pick you up, and we'll go up. To oh, Canada. totally! I'll, I got the um, I, pick I got me the up gear. On the way. Hello. Yeah. We, oh, that's right. You're on the way there. And oh, sure. Len, now you're gonna leave there. me out. <laughs> yeah. Len's been there already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are times when you're on the way too, Len. Mm, I sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's time. Yeah, that's right. Definitely. I I think it's a blast up there. It's just so it's so. I was just I was just on the Bay of Fundy and watching the tide go in and out. Uh, I was actually in Canada for Canada Day. Um, just terrific events that they have there. It's it's a, a beautiful country. Great seafood on the coastal areas. Lots of history, and uh, you know a lot of the flying is like flying wild Alaska. Mm-hmm. Actually, there is one. Wait, Buffalo Airways. That's right. There is a show about a flying <laughs> yeah. Canada. Yeah, ice pilots, and that that's cool. I'm not. I, I really. If you're going to do that type of flying, though, you really need to get yourself with a, an instructor. I'm, the type of flying I'm talking about is kind of going up across the border and more like flying in Maine and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, even in the U.S., you know, you're doing any type of wilderness flying, you probably should get an instructor to teach you mm-hmm. what to do, especially around the hills and things like that. But mm-hmm. know the rules. That's the most important thing. And remember, when you're taxing in Canada, it can be really confusing, <laughs> and uh, the the phraseology is a little bit different. Yeah, make sure that, uh, you know, like the lineup of weight and uh, you have all that phraseology down. Um, so, and then cool. when ready, that type of thing. Even uh, the then, uh, even the signs are different. The, si- the airport signage, and I know I mentioned uh, um, Toronto earlier, but I, if I remember correctly, Carl, and you can back me up, Toronto is one of the few airports I've been to in Canada where the non-standard signage throws me off and most of the other airports are the same and what i mean is it looks like a neon sign it's not the usual black with yellow lettering or yellow with black lettering it's like this neon sign and you're like where the hell am i what what am i looking at yes yeah it's easy to get lost 
Um, the other thing is when you're landing, and remember up there that the, a lot of their airports aren't quite as sophisticated. There's no there's no lights on the runway, right? You know, in pavement the lights. The runway numbers are tiny. The runway numbers They're are tiny. Bitty. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have one solid center line. It's like four stripes, four single stripes is a center line. I mean, it's just it's really it's visually uh, disorienting the first time you go in there. Like it's not what you're used to breaking out and seeing. It's more like a suggested so center of the runway. <laughs> <laughs> not not to diss the Canadians, but yeah, that's it's definitely different there. Yeah, know? it's different. And then you take yeah. off, you know, you you get a clearance. Uh, this is my own favorite, one of my favorite parts about Canada. But tower will say, okay, so flight one two three four, clear for takeoff runway two six, contact departure airborne. Good day. And you're Good like, uh, uh, you know, you're in like the equivalent of a class <laughs> Bravo. Toronto's like. You clear for takeoff, contact airborne, uh, contact departure airborne. Good day. Yeah, so they hand you off before you started your takeoff roll? You haven't, you haven't not even (laughs) off the ground and they're already passed you on to somebody else. Nice. Well, they got things to do. You know, they're they're busy. I love (laughs) it when they they hand you off before you even face in the right way to take off. It's like, come on. How about when you're cleared to land? I mean, you're sitting there and it's like, you know, come on, dude, really? I'm in the flare. Could you clear me to land? (laughs) Yeah, they do. That's the funny thing. Like, they'll hand you off immediately before you've taken off. But yeah, they do seem to wait to clear to land until the last possible second. Oh, my gosh. It's a little backwards. It's just different. It's just different. different. Yeah. But it's funny. Yeah. We, uh, I had a, when I was flight instructing, I had a student of mine who lives up in uh, London, Ontario, and we took a Seminole up there. And uh, he, I mean, like I said, he was a Canadian resident, but we had to go through the whole thing with, uh, you know, with, with flying with CanPass. At that time, we did not require APIS, but uh, we did the whole CanPass thing. We landed up in London because it was one of the, uh, one of the customs airports. We got on the ground and he says to me, he's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. He's like, you wait in the airplane. I'm going to go inside. I'm going to call customs. And generally what happens is you call customs, you notify them that you've arrived. They come out to the airport. They meet you. They check all the documentation, et cetera. At least that's what I was expecting. He comes back out to the aircraft and he's like, well, I talked to customs and they're like, okay, nice. Glad you're here. Have a nice day. They didn't even bother. They didn't come out. They didn't even come to the airport. They just said, that's it. Go on your way. Enjoy yourselves. Now, it was not as simple coming back into the U.S. We stopped in Erie, Pennsylvania. They wanted to see all our documentation. They wanted to look into the airplane. And I'm like, my, this is a off. This is like, talk about two stark contrasts between going into Canada, coming back into the U.S. and their private aircraft. And, you know, the things that we experienced. And, and um, I'm not going to say that when you go there, it's going to be as simple as the day I went there where you call customs and they're like, yeah, that's great. Thanks for coming to the country. Have a nice day. We're not even going to come see you. Might not be that simple, but that day it was for us. It was, it was kind of interesting. I was, ex- I was just expecting a different experience. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you said that because it, you really can get searched quite a bit and, uh, in depending on every experience is different. Every time you go, the one time you go, you're not one time they just want to see your, your paperwork and boom, they stamp it. The next time they're going through it with a fine tooth comb, which goes back to that pre-flighting. You really need to pre-flight your airplane too mm-hmm. and yourself and make sure you don't bring something you're not supposed to bring into the country. Because uh, if you bring a, a handgun into uh, Canada, they get they're very particular about that. Yeah, and uh, you'll you'll really you'll be detained for quite some time. It's almost <laughs> like bringing a handgun to uh, to uh, a military field. It, it's not quite as bad, you know. I, from experience, I've I've seen people bring handguns across the border, and they've uh, normally what they'll do is make you take it apart, ship it back, slap you on the wrist. 
threaten you with detainment, that kind of thing. But it's it's uh, but don't do it. I'm just saying don't don't do that. The other big thing too, and and I always hate to mention this, is the is the drug trade. If you're in a small plane, uh, make sure you really have looked through your aircraft because you never know what someone has done. Uh, you know, I could tell you, tell you horror stories just from being in the Bahamas for so long of people actually putting drugs in an aircraft and stealing the airplane or when it gets to the country you're searched and, and they've hidden them somewhere in the aircraft. So it's always good to keep your airplane locked for security, obviously, and also do a, a pretty good pre-flight. Um, but you know from experience. Uh, yes. Yeah, not, from, <laughs> not from my own, but, <laughs> but helping kidding. other. You know, if anybody... Yeah, oh, no. Oh, not sorry. for it. That's where he got all the money to buy, the, is what to I buy meant. your 182. Please, please. I right. remember. I remember. <laughs> <Drugs>. <laughs> little Carl, business. Little business. Right. Um, I, you know, if anybody's uh, listening to the show, you know, listener, and, and you are living near Canada and fly there a lot, let us know. Because it might be, uh, you know, we might want to talk to you more about it. Just because somebody with a lot of experience would, would have a lot of various uh, stories to tell, I think. Tips, pointers, anything. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Definitely. I would love to hear about people that are Canadian flying into the U.S., what their experiences are. Oh, yeah. It's probably about the same as mine flying into Canada. Yeah. You never know what, you no, never the, know what no. to expect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do remember that you don't, I know, uh, Carl, you said that make sure you have uh, the documentation and certain things, things like your custom sticker. I remember one thing about specifically the custom sticker. This could have changed, but at the time that I did this and the time that other friends of mine flying general aviation aircraft, not only to Canada, but down to the Bahamas and whatnot, is you didn't necessarily have to have the custom sticker on the airplane when you were returning to the U.S. When you landed, you could purchase it on the spot right. and you'd be covered. So uh, I just remember that. And again, it, maybe it's changed since then, but it wasn't something that you necessarily had to worry about. But going international, one biggest, most obvious thing is you want to make sure that the aircraft is not on a pink slip, meaning you have a permanent registration. So if you just bought the aircraft and your registration temporary, they don't want, they won't let you into the country. So you need a permanent aircraft registration. You want to make sure you've got that radio, um, that radio station permit for the aircraft. And uh, not only, well, actually, uh, Carl, there was a recent change. Is it for the pilot only and the aircraft is no longer necessary? Uh, I can't remember there was a distinction in the last couple of years where that changed the radio permit. Uh, you still need that going internationally, though. Is it? Not yeah, but for the there used to be two. There was the radio telephone operator permit, and then there was the radio station license. You have to have both. Both of those going internationally. Oh, okay. We so, yeah, we certain uh, 121 operators still don't need that, but uh, unless I, unless I'm right now, that's the what I looked at in the regs. But I'll look right. it up again. But yes, yes, it's uh, you need both of those. Yeah, so those are just a, a couple of very simple, obvious things to uh, just make sure you've got an order before leaving the country. And the other thing is, uh, I think a buddy of mine, when he used to go to the Bahamas, they, I don't know if it was a requirement, but they recommended that he had a copy. We see this in Mexico, actually. Mexico is very big on this. They want to, if they come to the airplane, they want to see and be able to verify a copy of your insurance, kind of like when you get stopped by the U.S. cops. Uh, you know, on, on the interstate or something, they always ask you for license, registration, sometimes insurance, you know, stuff like that. They want to see internationally that you've got insurance on that uh, on that flying machine that you're in. So a couple of really basic things. They're simple, uh, you know, that can get you uh, down the right path. Yeah. And, and if you are detained, a good thing to do is just ask to see the U.S. consulate. And, and behave. Uh, Don't be a smart ass. 
Yeah, no, no, you really do. Oh, yeah. let me add that to my list. Don't, Don't be, be a smart. Oh, oh, the other thing that's important too, I forgot to mention, then is uh, traveling with your family members. If you're, if you have a child and you're by yourself, you have to be careful because uh, you're going to probably need a note from the other uh, parent to make sure that you're going across the border with that that child legally. Legally, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and that they're not, you know, taking them away because that does happen. A lot of people take flight, and especially in divorce situations. Where they go to another He's country. He's right. And, I flew. Uh, a... Go ahead. I was going to say I, I used to be a reservation agent with an airline when I was on furlough, and uh, I uh, that's one thing that we had to require if a child was traveling with just one parent is that the other parent had that there was a letter from the other parent stating mm-hmm. that he's allowed to leave the country and notarized. I flew with a flight attendant from uh, from England, who her and her husband were in the process of moving to the United States, and her and the kids came over that you know some time period prior to the to her husband moving with them, and that's exactly the experience that she got when she came to the U.S. They were detained, uh, and she was um, she was held for an I, she never told me the, the the amount of time, but she was held for this undetermined amount of time. For that exact reason, she was coming into the country with her kids, didn't have this, uh, you know, notarized or authorized note from the other custodial parent that it was okay. They thought she was trying to run away with the kids. And I was like, I've never heard of such nonsense. But uh, you you just reminded me of that, Carl. That's 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 a, a strange but real problem. Yes. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. But but now with all this said... <laughs> I hope I'm not scaring people off from trying to go to another country. We're giving you all this stuff so you, you don't get no, yourself No, we're just telling you all the bad things and, up front. Yeah. Just say, hey, just make sure you yeah. got your your stuff in order. It's actually really yes. simple. And, and that there's more research than, than just, just jumping in a plane and going. And so we, we definitely want you to do your research. And what other country you're flying to is find out their rules. And, again, just, just ask somebody. And there's a lot of stuff out there that you can buy that talks about going to different countries. There's even groups that you can go with. Um, but make sure if you go with a group, they don't just do everything for you. you. You are part of that process in these travel groups that go to different countries and say, hey, I want to see what you're doing, et cetera. And a lot of times they will. They'll take the time to do that. So, Super. So go to Canada, A. Eh? Do it, eh? Love it. It's great <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's just a wonderful, it's a beautiful place up there. And the beer and, is better. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The beer is better. Uh, yeah, and they... Yeah, my and I love blueberry beer up in Canada. That's one of my favorites. And, you and the blueberries, uh, they, blueberry beer, blueberry wine. Oh yeah, yep. I'm Mr. Blueberry. I <laughs> I love blueberries too. I'm gonna have to try that stuff. Yes, yes, it's excellent. Awesome. Um, but there, you know that that's the other thing too is bringing back stuff to. Again, you got to look into all these things. How much can you bring back in the country as far as alcohol, et cetera? Uh, money. You got to be careful with money. Uh, some people forget that's a ten thousand dollar limit. And uh, I always and, forget that I get myself in trouble frequently. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and you'd be surprised. I mean, there's people that move money back and forth, and you know, if you're over that ten thousand limit by one penny, you you you'll get yourself into trouble. Len's buying a stick of gum, and he goes, "Can you break a C note?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard someone say C note in a long time. That's what my grandpa calls them. Yeah, well, I, I, that's wow. just uh, that's just me not being twenty five anymore. <laughs> Love it. Cool. Can't wait well, to see all our Canadian friends at Oshkosh. Yeah, Speaking I already have words, a lunch date with two of them. Look at you, God, wow. popular son of a gun. I was gonna say stalker, but I'm not gonna say stalker. <laughs> That's Lynn. Inside joke.
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Our picks of the week. We've done what we tend to do and get happy <laughs> and talk a lot, and uh, we've sort of run out of time. So we're going to move on to the picks of the week. And uh, let me see. I'm going to just randomly pick one here. Let's start. Uh, we haven't really heard a whole lot from Victoria's lovely voice. So, Victoria, tell us about the week. All righty. My pick of the week is related to keeping pilots flying. And if you have trouble flying or need um, a buddy to fly with, this is the site you should go to. Um, it's called Pilots Share the Ride. It's an area where pilots can post where they're flying or others can post where they want to fly to. Basically, people can meet up and share flights. It's a great way to get to know other pilots and to share the cost of the flight. It's actually uh, been quite a while since I've been on this website. And during my absence, it looks like they went to a paid membership version, but recently had a sponsor. So I'm happy to see the announcement that Pilot Share the Ride is free once again. Uh, they are in need of donations, however, to keep this free service going, and they have a PayPal thing to do that. But uh, I was very happy to get my account reactivated once again last night and see that there were so many pilots posting on there. So if you're looking... For a flying buddy or uh, to get somewhere but don't have access to an aircraft, this might be a good route for you. It's pilotsharetheride.com. Cool. Sweet. Cool. I've actually, I'm actually signed up for that a long time ago. It's, it is a pretty cool website. Yeah. The guy I who runs it's name is Baldy. I like that. <laughs> cool. I don't know why, but I'm not surprised that you All love. the messages are like, love Baldy. <laughs> love <Cool>. Baldy. <laughs> They are. If you nice. look on it, the announcement even says from Baldy. So. From Baldy. Oh, fancy. <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. I've, I've, I haven't used it. I remember I saw this uh, a couple years ago. I haven't used it, but I do remember looking at it to find find some opportunities to fly. It's a good way to sort of stay flying and share things and expenses and whatnot. So very cool. Uh, where am I next? I've got these paperwork here. Carl, tell us about your pick of the week. Uh, my pick of the week actually is a an association that I found and came to know and have seen at almost every air show and event, and that's the Flying Musicians Association. These people aren't just an association. They are people that are actively out there, and they're performing too. And you can see them perform at like Air Ventures, uh, Sun and Fun, at all these different events run by like Flight Ops or the... Future Airline Pre uh, Pilots Associations. They go to, like the Healy Expo and Sebring, et cetera. But the, the reason they put this organization together is that they wanted to combine two passions, music and aviation. And there's a lot of folks that are in both, a lot of people that play musical instruments and also fly airplanes. I found that a lot at work. I mean, you hear so many folks, they bring their instruments with them on overnights. And, uh, and they've really done a great job of inspiring people to fly and inspiring people to, to continue their education in music and both flying. And uh, there's there's a couple of the folks that you've probably heard, like Ravi, the Raviator. You know, you've mm -hmm. probably heard of them, and they're out there. And there's, uh, uh, was El Elgin well Wells, I think it was, Elgin Wells. He was pretty good. There's uh, there's just quite a few folks out there that are just terrific that that play. But they, they're in, like I said, they're in everything. It seems like they're everywhere, and I, I don't know how they do it. They have a real big following, I guess, and they're very well organized. But the, to find these people and fly, find out where their events are and some outreach, there's uh, flyingmusicians.org. Flyingmusicians.org is the website, and it's pretty cool. I like their logo, too, with all the notes. They have kind of these notes that are, that are actually in, going around 
the actually Flying Musicians Association logo with a little airplane on the end pulling the notes along. It's really, really cool. I love their logo. Um, But real nice people. They're everywhere. You'll hear them if you go to any event. So look for them. Cool. Flyingmusicians.org. It's funny you bring up Flying Musicians because we actually have a special guest, and I'm not going to mention who or what, but a special Flying Musician coming up here in the next couple episodes that we're going to be interviewing. A uh, former airline pilot turned uh, guitar goddess, and we'll be having her on the show here, uh, hopefully soon, actually, maybe in the next, uh, I think in the next one or two episodes. Go ahead. Who's who's buttoning? Hey, who? who? I was going to say, how many of us here, uh, you know, I've never asked this question, I uh, hear on the stuck mic, play a musical instrument or have played. Len, did, did you play anything? Uh, In junior high, I played a little bit of piano, but... uh, that's about the extent of my musical abilities. I can't really oh. carry a tune in a bucket, so, you know. <laughs> How about you, uh, Rick? Did you? Play yeah, um, I play guitar. And oh. I, um, but I, I took it up in college and have a couple different guitars. It became a bit of a collection thing for a while. And, uh, you know, don't play as much right now, but I, I really should get them, get them out and do it again. And I did, you know, I, I did play a little bit out, you know, per, you know just after college, you know, oh, in, cool. in little coffee houses. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Pretty awesome. wild. Yeah. Get tips. How about you, Victoria? Have you ever um, played? The- yeah, I played clarinet in uh, middle school, and then um, up until a couple years ago, I played the harp. Wow. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Very relaxing, beautiful instrument. Wow. I loved it. A secret talent. Yeah. Yeah. So we've all been involved at some. Oh, I didn't mention I used to play too. I was. Uh, I started with piano, but. Uh, I played the violin for years. Get uh, out. Uh, that is yeah. awesome. <laughs> That's pretty that cool. And, no, and then what happened? We started recording. I was watching electric violin like rockers play. Oh, wow. cool. <laughs> I was on YouTube. <laughs> I, yeah, I have a lot of buddies that still play. It's it, it's awesome. That's a, that's a huh. neat instrument. It, it, it's wild. Got such incredible range. But actually, you know what happened? I went to when I went to high school though. I I thought it wasn't that cool to play the violin, so I went to Woodwinds and started playing the saxophone. Mm-hmm. And, I figured uh, you were, I was going to say, I thought that's where you were headed was a sax player. Yeah, how did you figure that out? I you mean, a bar playing sax? Well, I've seen you at a bar doing other things, but it wasn't playing the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's cool, though. It's neat to, I, I never knew that about you guys. Everybody's yeah. playing an instrument. Cool. Awesome. So Flying Musicians Association, maybe we should all join. Definitely. Mm. Cool. Well, I have. Uh, we I know we talk a lot about uh, not only Rick and myself, but uh, about uh, doing video work and camera work in the airplane. And I recently, within the last couple of weeks, stumbled upon this really cool product out there. It's available. Uh, it could be available elsewhere, but where I saw it was over at aircraftspruce.com. It's called the Fat Gecko Copilot Camera Mount, and what it looks like is like a shower curtain rod that you put in the airplane. It basically is this, this bar that extends from left to right and has suction cups on it, and you mount it uh, essentially in uh, across widthwise across the cabin of your aircraft, and in the middle is a camera mount. So, you know, if you don't have an aircraft where there's an easy place to mount a camera, maybe not necessarily on the, uh, on the header or on the windscreen or on the window, or you're in an aircraft where mounting it would transfer a lot of vibration from the airframe or engine into the camera mount and, and cause that jelloing effect that you sometimes see. 
this is one of those products that's pretty cool. Like I said, it's just this bar, this rod that extends widthwise across the width of your airplane, and in the middle is a camera mount. Uh, I'm going to include the um, include the link obviously in the show notes. But like I said, it's called the Fat Gecko Copilot Camera Mount. At the time of recording, uh, it was running for about eighty nine dollars, and it's uh, it's just uh, it's another one of those cool toys that if you like to record. Uh, uh, or um, video or take photos in the airplane and you need a new mounting, uh, some sort of mounting, uh, you know, new mount uh, option. This is one of those you could check out. That's a great, the the, the most challenging thing I find in trying to set cameras is getting um, a camera over the nose centered. Mm -hmm. And the only reason to do that, you know, it doesn't matter that much, but on landings and takeoffs, perspective from the sides is different than straight on. Sure. down the center so you get some you know you just don't know you, you can't see runway position as as accurately it seems to me so mm-hmm. and i know that you know in the cirrus it's a real challenge I, I i've got places to latch on in in the cessna but the cirrus was harder and it would have been perfect for that cool so yeah it's definitely is a, it's a neat product it's only <clears throat> i believe it is brand new i know i said i was just exposed recently but i the reason i recall seeing it was like a product release type of thing so it is uh as far as i recall it is pretty new cool um so uh rick your pick of the week is actually from um a very close dear friend of ours a friend of the podcast who's yes. uh venturing into a new business that is virtually going to change the way and the face that we do business regarding rental aircraft wow. in the united states i hope i can do it it justice and actually i think Victoria Victoria, you had a conversation uh, with Rod recently, so um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't stop talking. Yeah, it was I've great. Seen the <laughs> product in uh, he, we had dinner a while yeah. back, and he showed it to me in uh, in person, and it's, what, it's cool. Yeah, why don't I? I'll just frame it, and then you guys probably have. You clearly have more experience actually seeing the the product. I mean, the, it's called um, Open Airplane, and it's basically and Rod Rakick of uh, My Transponder and Adam Fast, who is a friend of the show and who. Um, I actually got to hang with at a couple at a, at a shuttle launch. Um, uh, who you know he, he did a bunch of that too. Um, they are behind this, and basically it is um, trying to coordinate the trying to sort of create a universal checkout uh, airplane uh, GA checkout um, process, so that a a renter of planes in, at his at your home airport gets checked out in, in this system. You can then rent a plane who you know from another. Um, uh, FBO anywhere else in the country who's on the system without getting rechecked out. So if you're in, uh, you know, Phoenix for a couple of days for business, and if the system begins to work as they expect, you will be able to, you know, hop right over to a certain place and and pretty much you know check go, go out on a plane, you know, rent a plane, mm-hmm. because right now it's hard. You know, as we know, it's you, they there's insurance issues and they want you to have flown their plane with their CFI and all that. And so it makes it basically impossible unless you're going to be somewhere a while to ever do anything more than just fly with, with, you know, a CFI or, or whatever at most. So, um, that's my understanding of the way it's going to work and that it isn't open yet. Although by the time this comes out, Oshkosh will have happened and I know they're going to, they will have had a big announcement there. So mm-hmm. you probably have heard about it a lot more at the point you're going to hear this, but Lena, you've seen it and, and, uh, Victoria, you have experience talking to Rod. What do you guys know about it? Anything more than that? But yeah, yeah, pretty much. Actually, um, if you're going to Oshkosh, he's going to have a presentation all about it at 10 o'clock 
Oh, too late. Oshkosh is already over with. Yeah. I hear this. Dang <laughs> That's it. okay. Hope you liked it. It was probably Never really mind. great. It was an excellent, excellent <laughs> presentation. We right. all had a blast. Yeah. We missed out on the free money they were giving away. <laughs> free, uh, free money. Free <laughs> money. Uh, I got 20 bones. That was awesome. Thank you, Ron. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> <A> get <C-note. laughs> the idea is very cool, and I get why it's a challenge to pull off because you've got to get everybody in line. You've got to, you've got to sign people up. But if they get enough right. people in various parts of the country— It'll it'll start once they get enough momentum. I bet you it'll, it'll go all the way. You know, everybody will want to be part of it because you'll rent more planes. In theory, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm so. sure. I'm sure that they will. I know uh, when we actually this is probably back in March or April. We sat down uh, when I was in Chicago. We got together. We had dinner. He showed me the application on his mobile device. It's not like it's platform dependent. They've got it set up so that it's mobile friendly, not only on the i uh, iPhone, iPad, but Android as well. Um, it's a web-based reservation service, and what you do is you go in there. Once you're in the database, like uh, like Rick explained, you go in there, and you can reserve an airplane at what, any one of the participating FBOs. The biggest uh, the biggest hurdle um, Rod mentioned in getting the whole system set up was approval by an aircraft insurance company, and what helped them get it certified was his experience in the Civil Air Patrol. And in the Civil Air Patrol, folks who are involved in that organization go through a very specific checkout process. I I could be quoting it wrong, but I want to say it's called the Form 9, um, which is the checkout process, which is a lot more in-depth. It's, it's multiple... Uh, it's multiple hours of specific maneuvers and objections or objectives. And so what they basically were able to show was a correlation between folks who participate in the Civil Air Patrol type of checkout versus the rental type of checkout have a lower accident rate. And they were able to get and collaborate with a major aviation insurance company to come on board and say, sure, if this is the way you do it, you know, we're uh, we're on board with this. So the re- the biggest thing is going to be to convincing these other FBOs that hey, you're not actually losing money. You're okay. going to be rent. You're going to be utilizing assets more. So, you know that that seems to be the hurdle right now is convincing folks that okay, you're not doing the checkout at your FBO in Oklahoma City because Rick lives in Massachusetts. That doesn't matter though because when Rick comes there, if he flies for three hours, you're now going to utilize that aircraft even though you may be missing out on a certain percentage of, uh, you know, these checkout rates and fees and whatnot. But in the long run, people are going to make out. They're going to get their yeah. The aircraft are going to be utilized more. And people like us who travel a lot, I remember when I was in California during the springtime, I wanted to go flying. A freaking rental checkout was three hours. You know, yeah. you're talking about $450 and a 150, uh, 172 before I can even go and rent it to take my friends out for a flight. I'm like, no, yeah. I don't come here often enough. Why would I <laughs> Right. So it's yep. neat. It's 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 um I'm 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 throwing myself out there and saying it's revolutionary. It's going to change, it's absolutely going to change the way we do rental uh business here in the United States. Cool. Very cool. Just just to add in there, they do have all insurance companies on board. Okay, yes, yeah, so um, that's that's a new change you, then. Yes, if you go through their universal checkout um for open aircraft, there will be a discount on non owner insurance. So there's Ooh. a benefit to you there as well. You know, this checkout could count as your flight review. It um, can get you discount on insurance. And, you know, frankly, it makes you a better pilot who can pretty much go to any of these places and fly Absolutely. anywhere. So cool. it's definitely uh, a neat product. 
It sure is. Cool. Look forward to hearing more about it. The After Landing Checklist. Hey, Carl, tell folks uh, interested in getting in touch with you, stalking you, uh, saying hello. Where can they find you? Besides I'm at the bar, open to drinking stalkers. your blueberry. Besides at the bar, <laughs> drinking your blueberry beverages. <laughs> Other than being there, drinking my blueberry beverages, I am at expertaviator.com. You can find links to my Facebook and my Twitter and uh, also YouTube from there. Again, expertaviator.com. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You have... We haven't shared on the podcast, but you have uh, you have another website. Oh yeah, that's the other. Uh, I, I was gonna say that for another episode, but well, you can uh, I did give the website. We'll we'll talk about. Well, you can, can we share the rest of it another time. Yeah. Yes. Let's do that. Keep them in suspense. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. okay. So there's something new Carl has to announce. Yes, I have a new project. It's, it's going to revolutionize the world of aviation <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> when do I get to revolutionize stuff? <laughs> it is. I don't know. Come up with something good. Gosh. God. I'm not doing enough already. <laughs> you really aren't. You're such a lazy slouch. Just sitting around all day doing nothing. I can't I believe you. Eating bonbons, taking bubble baths. You know it. But 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 while you're taking bubble baths, how can people reach you? Yes, well, that's true. My stalkers usually find me at <laughs> storyaflies.blogspot.com. And I've actually had many people call me over at AirPros. So look that cool. number up and call me there too. <laughs> I know I found you at storyaflies.blogspot.com. Yes, you did. Sheesh. Mm, Trouble. <laughs> uh, Carl. Uh, no, Carl. I already did. Carl, look at him. I'm paying attention. <laughs> Rick. It's old age. Yeah. Expertaviator.com. Oh, no. <laughs> um, R. Felty on Twitter, R. D. Felty on YouTube, and rotationspeed.com. Cool. I'm Len Costa. You can find me at uh, thepilotreport.com, also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we've recently had some really wonderful uh, feedback from folks over at the Stuck Mike Avcast. If you want to send in your questions or comments, listen, anything, we love hearing from you guys directly. Send us an email, stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. You can reach us through the website. And uh, we're also Stuck Mike Avcast on Twitter and Facebook. From myself, Len Costa, Rick Felty, Carvalari, and Victoria Neuville, thanks for tuning in to episode number 29 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. We all wish you guys clear skies and calm winds. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa production.